0: Hey, let's bow our heads as we jump into the word today. Father in heaven, we're honored to be one church family with all those gathered physically, locally here and for the hundreds and even thousands of different locations watching online right now. To that end, we rely on your spirit. Move among us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, so I still remember the day. I was in second grade right there in Puerto Rico when I got word that somebody wanted to speak to me outside of the class. So I step out and I see none other than my own dad there. Now, it wouldn't have been a huge surprise to see my dad there on the campus of this small Seventh Adventist University in Calle, Puerto Rico. He was a district pastor. He had seven churches and that school was part of the territory that he helped to oversee. So it wasn't his presence that surprised me. It was what he said. He said, in English, welcome aboard. We're moving to Japan. My mind started spinning. And he began telling me how in just a few short months, we were going to be in Japan. He had been accepted as a U.S. Navy chaplain. He had been assigned to the 3rd Battalion, 12th Marines, based out of Camp Hansen there in Okinawa, Japan, the Warriors of the Pacific and sure enough, just like he said, just a few short months after that, we were there. Now look, I would be completely remiss and irresponsible, I believe, as a pastor, if I did not share with you at least two blackmail-worthy photos of myself and all of my late 80s, early 90s kid glory. So I guess you're welcome. Uh, here, we're going to put the first one on the screen here. So that's me with my dad outside of his office. And I want you to notice just a few things. For one, notice the acid-washed jeans, which were required denim in those days. And of course, notice that the cuffed shirt there. And for those Photoshop sleuths among us, you'll notice that, yes, I am repping a Puerto Rico shirt. I think I'd won a citizenship award on that particular day, something like that. Okay, how about one more? This is me and my siblings, my oldest brother, My other brother, Ronald, Ruben, and my sister, Jaceni. Sure enough, lots of acid wash denim going on in that picture as well, as you notice. And my oldest brother, I'm the little guy on the left side there, my oldest brother next to me, Ruben. he won that denim battle, going denim on denim, top and bottom. So there we go. That's a little bit of what we looked like. By the way, hold it there for just another second, because some of you are wondering, well, Rodley, why did you choose a picture with your eyes closed? And let me just give a public service announcement for the Gen Zers among us who might be a little bit confused. Is that all right? Back in those days, pictures, you had 24, or maybe 36 pictures on a camera roll. Anybody remember that? And it was such that when you took a picture, you had no idea how the picture was actually going to end up. You remember that? So sometimes you had to wait several weeks until the picture got developed. And if your eyes were closed, too bad, so so sad, that ship has sailed. And because pictures were so precious, you normally just got one picture per pose. That's it. So that explains why my eyes are closed there. Sorry about that. So this is where we spent the next three years of our lives, there in Okinawa, Japan. I had an amazing time there. My dad was a missionary, but in the military. People were one to Jesus. People were one to this message and this movement. We learned to speak a little bit of Japanese. We learned to eat Japanese food and and enculturate. Now, I think if we're being really honest with ourselves, this is kind of sort of a little bit what we think about when we talk about being missionaries, isn't it? We normally think about going overseas and learning a different language, but I want to talk to you today for a few minutes about A mission field that every single one of us are actually called to engage with. We gave a little bit of a preview of it with the interview with Pastor Dwight and I. But I'm going to share some characteristics as well of what a kind of missionary in the midst of a missionary church actually looks like. By the way, in case you're just joining us, today we're actually continuing in a sermon series called A 2021 Mission for a 2021 movement, where every week we've been trying to wrestle with the implications of the words of Jesus, as found in John 20, verse 21, where he says, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And we're just going to continue in that today. Now, look, in our endeavor to understand a missionary church and a missionary movement, there's quite a few different churches in the New Testament that we could examine. I mean, there's the church in Jerusalem, there's the church at. Antioch, There's the church at Philippi, but we're not going to look at any of those. In fact, we're going to look at a church that's described in the shortest book of the Bible, in 3 John. It's just 219 words. It's a, a physical lightweight, but believe you me, it's a missionary heavyweight. All right, turn there with me in your Bibles, please. 3 John, it's right there at the very back of your Bible. You can find the book of Revelation. Turn a little bit to the left, you're going to find Jude. To the left of that, you're going to find 3rd John. And we're going to jump in with the first missionary, with the first characteristic of a missionary church. And it's this, found in 3rd John chapter 1, verse 4. It says, The elder, well, the characteristic is a missionary church is committed to biblical truth. Notice what the Bible says. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health. And that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Okay, so here is John, that aged disciple of Jesus, one of the original twelve. And he had seen or had heard about how every single one of the other disciples had been martyred as a result for standing up to truth. They were unwilling to deny Jesus. They kept holding on to the truth about Jesus and Bible truth. And that was supposed to be his fate as well, actually. According to Tertullian, the emperor Domitian sentenced him to death. And he got thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil. But in the same way that God saved the three Hebrews in that fiery furnace, he saved that aged disciple as well. And not knowing quite what to do with this disciple of Jesus that seemingly would not die, they exiled him and imprisoned him on the island of Patmos. And that's where God did his greatest revelation yet in his life and gave him the book of Revelation. And the book of 1st, 2nd, 3rd John was written sometime after that. Are you with me, church? So it's written sometime after that. Okay, so he's writing to this early church community, and please notice that the first thing he does is he commends them for continuing to walk in the truth. By the way, this is how the book of 2 John starts as well. He's writing to another church community there. Notice what he says. It's given me, verse 4, it's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. Now, here's a question for you. Why would John, this aged disciple, seemingly be so concerned with the truth? Well, here's why. Because already in his day, he was beginning to see how a lot of believers were beginning to leave the truth. And so he was very concerned about it. Notice what it says in verse 7. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. The implication being that these were believers in Jesus Christ. But they've now gone out into the world. And they no longer confess that Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. So there was all kinds of Gnostic theories in the first century. People weren't quite sure what to do with Jesus. Some of them anyway. They're saying, well, maybe he just looked like he came in the flesh. Maybe he was actually just a spirit. But no, John was grateful in his writing to this early church community. He says, look, you all are continuing to walk in the truth and that needs to be commended. Because look, here's the deal. We are called to go into the world. Isn't that the truth? But here is the ever so slight danger that as we learn the language of the world and we draw close, the danger, of course, is that we become like the World. This is what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 17. This whole principle, this idea, that adage that we are to be in the world but not of the world. So, that first characteristic of this missionary church is what? Is that they were committed to biblical truth. Now, notice the second one, verse 5. He says, dear friends, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the, ch- the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. So the second characteristic now of a missionary church is that it supports those doing mission work. Second characteristic of a missionary church. Now, by the way, this is not talking about this early church hosting their own friends and family, of course, as the scripture infers. It says, look, they're strangers to you. This is referring to itinerant preachers and itinerant evangelists and missionaries who were passing by. And this early church would say, y'all come and y'all stay with me and we're going to help you or we're going to support you. And by the way, do you notice how John mentions the manner in which they should treat these missionaries and these workers of God? Do you notice there what it says? It says, send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. In other words, do it as if you were doing it for Jesus himself. Now, let me ask you a question, church. What would you do if one day you're in your home, the doorbell rings, you open the door, and there you find Jesus with a little weekender bag? And he says, I, I was just kind of strolling through the neighborhood. Uh, do you mind if I crashed with you guys for the weekend? What would you say? Yeah, well, apparently y'all wouldn't be too welcoming to him. Uh, I would say, because y'all stayed really quiet, that's okay. I would say, Jesus, no, of course, I know you'd be very happy if he showed up at your door. Here's the question. How would you treat Jesus when he came into your home? What would you feed him? I mean, would you, would you pull out one of those cans of beans and just do this? Hold on, Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prepare a little meal for you and do this thing. Would you be doing that thing if Jesus himself showed up? No, probably not. If that's all you have, then praise God, yes, you would be doing that thing. If not, you would be doing this thing. You'd be, Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to make a meal, fresh meal, just for you. I'm going to chop up some carrots, and I'm going to get some potatoes, make a little stew for you. It's going to be great. Jesus, you just sit down. You just don't do a thing. I just want to hang with you. Okay, how about this one? Where would Jesus sleep for the night? Would you have him couch, surf in your living room? Is that where he would spend the night? No. Look, I guarantee you, this is where he would sleep. You would do the same thing as I. If it's my house, the very best place to sleep in my house, guess where it is? It's my own bed. All right? It's my own room. We've got a guest room, and it's very comfortable. But our room, where Yvette and I sleep, has an attached, you know, private bathroom there. So I say, Jesus, it would be my honor if I were to sleep on the couch. You, please, Jesus. You take our bed. I'd be honored Jesus, just, just hang with us in our house. And Jesus, not just a we can just stay for as long as you can, please, I'd be honored to host you. So here's this missionary church, and he's saying, yeah, I remember now, you, you send them off and is commending them, because apparently they had been doing this. You continue to treat them in a manner, in a manner worthy of God. So this is a church that was committed to biblical truth. And it was a church that was committed to supporting missionaries and mission work. Oh, but then he gives us a warning there in the very next verse. Notice what he says there in verse eight. He says, we ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. Notice what he says there. In other words, when we are supporting people who are doing mission work, it's as if we are doing it ourselves. Did you catch that? Y'all didn't catch that. Let me read it for you again. You're awfully quiet. Let me read that for you again. Come on, church. It says, we ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. Are you catching it now? In other words, when we support those who are doing mission work, we are entering into a sacred partnership with mission work. It's as if we are doing it ourselves. And then he he gives a contrast, which he calls evil. So one contrast is showing biblical hospitality, and that's what he's describing here. But notice what he says in verse 9, this evil contrast. He says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I'll call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. Uh Uh-oh. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. And I'm indebted to the work of Dr. Igor Lorenson. He wrote a PhD dissertation published by Andrews University here. And he talks about how this scripture here is descriptive of biblical hospitality versus patronage. Biblical hospitality is good. What he describes here in verse 10 is patronage. In other words, patronage is, I'll cut a check. You do. But if you do, you do as I say. In other words, it's not actually about wanting to support mission work. It's not about wanting to support the kingdom. It's about wanting to be seen and known. It's about wanting to have the preeminence in the church and have the control. Are you with me? That he calls evil. So look, let me just clarify right quick, just in case you're a little bit confused. I'm not saying that you should not financially support the church and the work of God. I'm not saying that. What I am saying and what the scripture is saying is that you should not give in order to wield influence and control in church. Also, implicit in the scripture is you, shouldn't, you, you financially support the church, but you should not use that as an excuse to not be a witness and a missionary in your daily life. Right. So in other words, you don't get to say, well, I gave and I'm letting the professionals do. Sorry. In as much as you confess the name of Jesus Christ, yes, you give and support God's work, but you also do. All of us do. That's what it means to be a missionary church. And that's why he's commending them in this early church. Now, here's the question. Look, what does this have to do with you? What does this have to do with me in the midst of COVID and us being a missionary church? What does that look like? Well, let me ask you this. I mean, y'all are familiar with the the Great Commission, as found in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, of course, right? Where Jesus said, "Look, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations." Let me ask you a question, church. Does Jesus qualify that statement in any way? The answer is no. In other words, does Jesus say, "Okay, okay, okay, take it out." Uh, yeah, go ye therefore, and make disciples of all nations. If the weather's good. No. Does he say, go you therefore, make disciples of all nations only if the the conditions are favorable to you and you remain comfortable the whole time? The answer is no. Does he say, go you therefore, make disciples of all nations only if you are not under persecution? If you're under persecution, you get a pass. The answer is no. Does he say, go you therefore, make disciples of all nations only if you are not, church, under a pandemic? Oh, you got COVID going on? Okay, y'all get it passed. You don't get to do any mission work. No. I'm sorry if this comes across as me being a bearer of bad news. Hopefully it's not. Hopefully you're saying amen. Jesus says, at all times. No, it doesn't matter. The world might be falling apart until your dying breath. Until you see me coming in the clouds again. You are called to be a witness for me. Period. It's not complicated. We're continue, we're supposed to continue to do that. So the question, church, friends, it's not if, it's really just how. In other words, what does it look like for us to be a missionary church in this kind of context? Doesn't mean we stop doing it, just what does it look like? We may have to adapt now based on the circumstances. Okay, here's what I want to do for our final moments here today. I want to share with you some examples of some people that I believe are doing a good job at being missionaries in the digital sphere. So we've got about eight examples. We're going to go through them quickly. And I share this with you today for the sake of inspiring you, all right, for the sake of stretching you, for the sake of you being able to see that this is possibly something that yes, you can do as well. So the first example is a YouTuber by the name of Greg Serrata of Bible Flock Box. He has 531,000 followers on YouTube. And if any of you are on YouTube, you'll know that this is a lot of followers. And let me show you some of the kinds of topics that he posts. He's part of our faith community, by the way, in case you're wondering. So his most viewed video that he has, he posted this about three or four years ago, is 10 facts about the mark of the beast Satan doesn't want you to know. 2.3 million views on there. That's his face, by the way. Uh, His second most highly viewed video is 10 facts about hell you're not being told. 1.7 million views on that video. Here's another one. Five facts about Michael the Archangel that will surprise you. 1.3 million views. This is a lot of views. All right. This is a lot of views. I want you to feel the weight of that much views because that's a lot. Okay, here's another YouTuber. His name is Justin... rhymes with Sue Koo. Justin Koo. He he used to be called That Christian Vlogger. Now he goes by I'm Listening with Justin Koo. He has 112,000 followers and he takes a pretty different approach to online evangelism, but I do believe it's still evangelism nonetheless. Let me show you one of the thumbnails for one of his videos. This one is called Talking Religion with My Pagan Barber. So he basically interviews people and he talks to people and you can see the kind of videos that he has. Well, you know what? About one year after he posted this video, check out the video that he posted from pagan to Christian. This is his barber. This is tremendous, so praise God for that. And he shares the story of how that happened just about a year later. So yeah, praise God, hallelujah for that. Okay, third example that I want to reference is our very own Pastor Ben Martin. Now some of you may not know, but he has a YouTube channel and is doing really, really great work on there. His YouTube channel is called Disciple Parenting. If you search that on YouTube, you'll find it. And let me just give you a little bit of a preview of the kinds of content his posting on YouTube. So how about this? How to have family worship. Super practical, really good. He puts a lot of time and effort into these videos and he does a great job at them. How about this one? How to talk to our kids about death. Very practical, very effective. How about this one? Is my child ready for baptism? If you're, if you're wondering that, don't talk to me, come and watch this video. I'm just kidding, you can talk to us as well. But make sure to, you know, you can check out these videos. There's all kinds of resources that he has just posted right there on his YouTube channel. So praise God for that. Here's another one. His part, he lives here in this community, he's part of our faith community. He's not a theology major, he's not a religion major, anything like that. But he just kind of felt like there was more that he could do for Jesus. His name is Bakar Razmazzi, I think I pronounced that right. He's from the country of Georgia. And he basically, he told me, you know, he he started doing essentially Bible studies, but in his own language on YouTube. So one of them, seven facts about the second coming, it got 186,000 views. Okay, how about this one? It's called the end times and the second coming. It got 215,000 views. Are you seeing a trend here that people are very interested in these kinds of topics? Are you catching that? All right, we're going in a different direction now. This is from my, our friend, Heidi Leitz, her f- husband, Josh. They have four beautiful kids. Yvette, my wife, is in a small group that she hosts. So Heidi Leitz has a personal Instagram account. But again, she just kind of felt like there was a little more that she felt compelled to do for Jesus. So she, she started a brand new one. It's called Chasing Hearts 6. Chasing Hearts 6. And I want to show you two posts that she put up. So here's the first one. Super simple. It's what her night table next to her bed actually looks like. And at first glance, you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of a curious person. Oh, her night self. What's on her night self? So at the very top, there's the Bible. Some of the other books Forgiving What You Can't Forget, The Case for the Psalms by N.T. Wright. Okay, you go. Uh, C.S. Lewis, Reflections on the Psalms. And when I see, and I I sent her a message earlier this week. I said, hey, is it okay if I share some screenshots from your post? And I just wanted to let you know, Heidi, how encouraged I've been by watching your post. And I told her, when I see this, now I'm sharing this with you. When I see stuff like this, I see, look at her. This, This woman of God, wanting to go deep. Taking this journey of faith seriously. You know, it, just, it encourages you because it makes you feel like, you know, you're not alone, right? You're not the, the only one trying to go about this business of this spiritual life seriously. You're so like, wow, you go. Thank you, Heidi. That encouraged me. Okay, how about this one? You might recognize this. She painted into her kitchen window overlooking her backyard. The maker of all things loves and... Help me out. Loves and wants... Me, Of course, it's been a refrain that Pastor Dwight introduced us to in the sermon series and even before. Beautiful. And so she talks about how she was so blessed by the sermon from Pastor Dwight. And she etched that in. Actually, she got her family involved and they put that in there. Now, look, this this is a beautiful, winsome way of witnessing church. Because somebody's going to read that and they're going to look. Like, first of all, wow, that's a beautiful, moving statement. The maker of all things loves and wants me. But second of all, they say, oh, she got inspired to put that on there as a result of some sermon. Well, let me check that out. Hey, who's your, who's your pastor? What was the sermon? Let me, oh, PM chair said Okay, let me check it out. Are you catching what I'm saying? So good job, Heidi. Keep up the good work. Okay, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on my friend, Pastor Kevin Wilson. We did a whole testimonial video on him last year. He has 154,000 followers on TikTok. And in every, just about every video that he makes, you... He is seen making chai from scratch, and he weaves in you know, angles about God and Jesus. So really simple. He's found a lot of interest there on TikTok, so go check out his account. How about this one? John Henry Rorabek. His family, they're members here at Pioneer. He's on TikTok, and he created an account called Creation Sabbath, where he talks about his love of nature and how it points to a creator God. Simple. He's using what he loves to do, what he loves to talk about, and he's using it to help point people towards Jesus on TikTok. So these are just, you know, some of the titles of some of his videos. He did one on the ring-necked snakes on black widows. His latest one is what's in a gall. He got about 4,000 views on that. I didn't know what a gall was before seeing that. So don't, don't worry. But he's doing a really great job. So, John Henry, if you're watching right now, keep it up. You're doing really, really great work. Okay, how about this one? It's from an Andrews University student, Chris DaCosta. Some of you might know him. He has a few credits left to graduate. He started an account called Bible Origins, and he has 98,000 followers on TikTok. Right now, And let me show you some of the kinds of topics that he posts on there because I want you to get the sense of the kind of spiritual interest that is on TikTok that he has encountered on there. So his number one most watched video on TikTok is how to avoid the Mark of the Beast 1.2 million views. Next viewed, most viewed the four beasts of Daniel, 904,000 views. And about a month ago or so, he posted one on health. He posted one called Foods That Should Be Illegal in the United States, and he got 864,000 views. Now look, I know what some of you are thinking. Surely this is because he has some really sweet setup in his house, and he's got some really nice lights and microphones, nice DSLR camera, all that kind of stuff. I want to show you one of his videos, what they look like on TikTok. So let's go ahead and roll that,
1: please. Here's how to avoid the mark of the beast of Revelation. Here's the beast, and here's the mark. Friends, we cannot guess what the mark of the beast is if we don't know who the beast himself actually is. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Obviously, the beast is not literal. If the beast is not literal, then how could his mark be literal? Do you really believe a beast is coming with seven heads and ten horns? Obviously not. Now we're going to allow the Bible to decode for us what these symbols actually mean. Number one, the sea. Revelation 17 verse 15. And he said unto me, The waters that you saw are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Water is a symbol for a large body of people
0: right now you only get 60 seconds that's the limit so he is a little series where he goes deeper into some of the other topics but here's what i love about that video first of all you don't need to ask anybody to be to be an evangelist you just do it did you catch that church don't say oh if i had a pulpit i would be an evangelist don't say oh if i was a pastor i would be an evangelist Oh, if I was invited to preach somewhere, then I would be an evangelist. No, you have an open invitation right now on social media. Do it today. Do not delay. You're an evangelist. And what I also love about this video is it's literally just him. I think he told me, I called him a few weeks ago. I think he has an iPhone five Has a broken screen, but the camera still works. It's literally just him. Just recording himself. No special lights, no special microphones. And then when he goes to record the scripture, he just, Doing this thing, recording the Bible. That's all. No excuses. I don't have any excuse to not be an evangelist. You, sorry church, you don't have any excuse to not be an evangelist. All right, let me show you one more example. It's my own. Today, for the first time, I'm publicly acknowledging and announcing that, yes, I joined TikTok. It was Christmas break, had a few days off, and I also just felt like there's a little more that I could do for the Lord. I said, You know what? These guys, Kevin Wilson and Chris DaCosta, they've been saying, Rodley, you jump on there. The waters are really warm on TikTok. There's a lot of spiritual interest. But I kept saying, You know what I told them? I said, guys, that ship has sailed. I'm too old for TikTok. I told them. I'm forty-one. I said, I'm too old for that. I'll leave it to you, younger. People. But I joined without telling anyone. I didn't say, hey, my Facebook, you know, friends, hey, my Instagram friends, come on over to TikTok. I joined. I was like, I ain't telling anybody, okay? And I wanted people to know I'm a pastor. So I used the handle Pastor Rodley. And by God's grace and with his blessing, two months later, it's almost two months to the day, I've gotten fifty seven hundred followers. Now look, I don't share this with you so you can be somehow impressed with me. This is not so you can be impressed with me at all. This is so you can see the kind of spiritual hunger there is on these social media apps. This represents people who are spiritually hungry. Now let me give you a few examples here. This is the very first post I ever did. Ever feel like life is passing you by? Kind of a little devotional in nature type post. Got 462 views, praise God for that. The next one I did was feel stuck in sin. I got 403 views. But then I began seeing, as I'm actually using TikTok, I I bounced into someone's video where they were praying for people. I thought, I guess I can pray. Let me offer a prayer on TikTok and see what happens. Check this out. My first prayer video, it was 15 seconds long. It got 15,000 views. I kept doing some other little devotional videos and I got, you know, 300 views, 100 views. I'm, you know, I'm I'm not trying to make it seem like, you know, all the little devotional views were were crazy high numbers. They were, but then I kept doing these prayer videos and church, these are kind of some high views for someone that's just praying. Now, in case you're wondering if this is like some kind of like fancy thing going on, Let's roll the video. I want you to... I'm going to show you this video of myself praying. I pray for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to pray for the person on the other side of the screen right now. And I want to claim that promise as found in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, where it says, But those who wait in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run, not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So I pray, Father, that you would bless that person with strength today in Jesus name. Amen. That video got 78,000 views. No special editing. Everything that you saw there was done right inside the app. The music you can find right in the app, the stuff that appears on the screen, you do it right inside the app. It's super easy. After doing about 20 of these videos, I said, you know, let me, let me invest in, in a little, in some equipment. I, I bought a little microphone that I could attach to my iPhone. It was like 30 bucks on Amazon. Real quick, because I know some of you are thinking this. Here's some objections. I don't have a video camera. Good news, you don't need a video camera. Kevin Wilson, Chris DaCosta. Look, some of the YouTubers I mentioned today, some of them use you know DSLRs and stuff like that. And if you have it, praise God, use it by all means. But if you don't have one, use your smartphone. Whatever you have, use it. Because apparently people don't care. Are you with me? They want the content. Some of you are saying, I don't have a microphone. Guess what? You know what I've discovered on TikTok? You you, you know what this is? My my Apple earbuds, my iPhone earbuds. You know how most people do a microphone on TikTok? They plug in their phone, they'll hold this like this, and they'll just talk. That's it. You don't need any kind of special equipment is what I'm telling you. Some of you are saying, but I'm too old. Or some of you are saying, I don't have enough time. Some of these things take 20, 30 seconds. It takes 20 seconds to post something on Twitter. It might take a minute to post a picture on Instagram. Here's the point. Don't let what you don't have be an excuse to not do something. Look, would I love to have like a nice camera and like a cool microphone with give me some really crispy audio? Sure, yeah, that'd be great. But I'm not letting my lack of not having that be an excuse to not be an evangelist for the Lord right now. Some of you are saying, Rodley, why are you making such a big deal about all of this? Actually, let, let me show you one last video just to hopefully get rid of any objections and questions that you might have from Pastor Paul. Last video
2: morning everybody hey let me take a sip here Mm -mm. that is good coffee talk with pastor paul hey you know what i'm gonna lean in here a little bit i want i want to be personal with you i want to talk to you like a dad or granddad you ready quit taking everything so serious yeah somebody says something to you get all angry Somebody's just joking around and you're joking too. And when they say something, you you get all like defensive. I was reading in the scripture. It said, uh, 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 be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Don't take everything so serious. It's going to be okay. Don't get all upset. And I look at it this way. You don't want to be joked with. Don't joke with folks. Operate in love, everybody. Let's not take ourselves too serious. I choose love.
0: <laughs> Look, I don't know how old this brother is, Pastor Paul. If maybe it's late 50s, 60s, whatever. It doesn't matter. Here's the point. This is as simple a video as you can possibly get by a dude that's a little older. So one-take video. He just hits the record button. No microphone, no special camera. He just props up his, his smartphone of some kind and just starts talking. In a very laid back way, and he gives a little spiritual word. Let me blow your minds right quick. You ready? Do you know how many followers he has on TikTok? 357,000 followers. That guy. That video has 682,000 views, it has 157,000 likes. Here's the bottom line. Here's why I'm making such a big deal about this. According to Revelation chapter 13, we have a sense of how this story is going to end, don't we? According to what the Bible teaches, we believe and we know that as time draws closer to the second coming of Jesus, that religious liberty is going to be threatened. You do know that, right? And so there will come a time in which we're not going to be able to gather as a church like this. It's true. There's going to come a time in which the government's saying, shut them down, and it's going to be for you and for me, just like it was at the beginning of lockdown, every man, every woman, every family in their home. And we're going to be able to witness one-to-one to to neighbors, so that's not going to go away. I believe we're still going to be doing that. But then hopefully also one-to-many Because we've been taking advantage of these platforms. And here's what I have covenanted church before the Lord. I said, God, I'm not going to wait until that time to be working for you. No. I'm not going to wait until that time comes and say, oh, oh, okay. Now let me try to figure out how to be an evangelist for Jesus. No. By God's grace... I'm going to grow as big of a platform I can on TikTok. I I say that to praise the name of Jesus. So that when that time comes, I I can blow that trumpet as hard as I possibly can. It's that hymn. I want to live it out. Lift up the trumpet. Loud, loud. Let it ring. Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, ye pilgrims. Be joyful and sing. Jesus is coming again. Not just on TikTok, but I'm going to be announcing that on Facebook. I want to announce it in every different place that I can. Why? Because I want to be an evangelist for Jesus right now. I want to make an invitation for you to join me. A lot of you are already on there. Already, Many of you are already evangelists for Jesus on social media. For those that are not yet, please, I invite you to join me. Go to our website, pmchurch.org connect for those watching online. You can see that digital connect card. Here's a few next steps that I want to invite you to. How many today believe that Jesus is coming soon? Believe Jesus is coming soon? If, if that's you today watching online, just check that off. How about this other next step? I want to use social media to share Jesus through my own personality. How many want to say that today? Make that commitment for those watching online. It doesn't have to look like what Chris DaCosta is doing. It doesn't have to look like what I'm doing. You use the talents and the gifts and the, your personality that God has given you to share Jesus. We're, we're not trying to make robots of each other. How about this one? Some of you are saying, okay, wait a second, Rodley. I, I would, but I, there's some questions that I have. I would like to learn more about using social media for Jesus. As I was preparing this message this week, I thought, you know what, if, if enough people check this off, I'm going to do a little workshop and maybe I'll invite some of these friends of mine that you saw that we mentioned here today so we can share some best practices. So we can share, guys, look, it's, it's literally as easy as this so that you can do it as well. So if that's you today, just say, look, uh, I want to learn more about that. Here, let's bow our heads as we pray together. Father in heaven, it's, we're honored to be used by you. Thank you for giving the people the wisdom necessary to invent these tools that we can use right now. We don't need to wait to have a pulpit to be an evangelist. We can do it right now. So I just pray, please, Lord, May your spirit move among all those watching online right now, move, touch, convict amongst those of us gathered locally, move, touch, convict. We praise God for those that are, they're that already finding ways to be evangelists and witness to you in their own personality online. But maybe there's some that are timid for whatever reason. I pray that you would give them that holy boldness necessary. To step out in faith to be a witness for Jesus. For we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.